With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Super Bowl. 57, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles, two number one seeds have arrived here for the game of the year. We hope before we get there, Hayden, the two best teams in the league, let's take a a quick top down, big picture view. We love to do those here on the show. Why are these two teams here? Why why are they different from everyone else in the league? Let's start with the Eagles. because I think they're the more fascinating team. When I wrote my preview for this i just said that the eagles win with decision making trench play and then spending on the most important positions aside from quarterback because they have hit that uh to me the decision making is really important here because this is a team that's reloaded so so many times oh yeah howie roseman the front office the honestly the ownership everything they're just making the right decisions they took a risk on nick sirianna because he's an offensive play play caller they took a risk on jalen hurts even though they had uh, Carson Wentz on the team because they knew they wanted to get out of that contract. They actually got out of the Carson Wentz contract. A lot of teams would hold on to that. They're a very forward-thinking show or team. And Nick Sirianni, when it comes to in-game decision-making, he is very aggressive. We'll get to it in a second. But uh, when it when like these fourth-down models come up, they go for like 80% of the time. Like The league yes. average is like at 50. So this is a complete outlier team, very aggressive, and they are willing to admit their mistakes and then get ahead of them. And I think that's what makes the Eagles one of the best organizations in football. It's pretty staggering when you consider what they won the Super Bowl five, six years ago. It was with a different head coach and a different quarterback. Yep. And all that's changed. Like Typically, when we think of these teams that get to this big moment in such quick succession, it's because their stability at head coach and stability at the quarterback position. And it's so different here, you know? I mean, what I loved was even when Carson Wentz, despite the injuries, they had just given him a big contract, they go out and, you know, draft Jalen Hurts, who I know you were a big fan of because you're models, but the rest of the league wasn't. Mm-hmm. And you think ahead at the most important position at football. And to me, it all comes back to what Howie Roseman's done. And he, he was I mean, cast aside during the Chip Kelly era, like put in the Harry Potter closet underneath the stairs and now just the little edges that they've created in terms of building an organization and a roster it's so amazing like first you have this you know offensive line and and trench play right where one you have to have a great offensive line coach and Jeff Stoutland who you work hand in hand with to identify and maximize your draft picks and whoever you're going to get that allows you to transform a rugby player in Jordan Mailata into a franchise left tackle game changer game changer plus you know Jason Kelsey Lane Johnson two freaks of athletes at the position so lots of investment there the same time it's like equal investment along the defensive line where you run too deep they prioritize athleticism maybe more than anyone in the league Mm -hmm. at that spot you go from an aging Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham to Javon Hargrave you get in for agency you know I'm in love with Milton Williams as a player uh, you get Hassan Reddick in free agency as well. Jordan Davis is the total freak show in the league. No one else and he's has been like, like him. six like best defensive linemen, and he's going to be mean, a superstar. Right. So it, it's this entire balance. Plus, you can maximize other people's trash into your treasure. 
with James Bradbury, who gets cut at the end because of salary cap purposes. Bring him in as your opposite corner, opposite uh, Slay. And then you trade for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson when his team wanted to get rid of him. There's a bunch of other pieces that go along with it. But it's just incredible roster management and use of resources. And for a long time, Howie Roseman has really done it at a high level. 100%. 100%. The the trench play numbers I have, uh, their offensive line is just littered with absolute beast. Uh, they're number one pass blocking and number three in run blocking, according to PFF, and then their defensive pass rush. Uh, 11.3 adjusted uh, percent sack rate this year. Second place was at 8.9. That's the Cowboys with Micah Parsons. And I was looking at it. Among uh, 90 defensive linemen this year that played 240 snaps, uh, the Eagles had five, like six people people that had uh, a five and a half percent uh, pressure rate, including Hassan Reddick, who's an absolute superstar, Brandon yeah. Graham, Josh Swedge, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Robert Quinn. And, and dude, yeah, maybe Robert Cox. Quinn is the player who like pops up in the Super Bowl too, because yes. he has yet to have his moment in the Philadelphia Eagles. hundred percent. Yeah. They're just literally, they're like seven or eight defensive linemen uh, deep. And like and a lot of these guys could start on most teams. They've, they've tried this like at other times in other years too where like you tried to trade for Jannard Avery who maybe they thought could be like this hybrid edge rusher and he didn't work but then these other ones have too he's constantly taking shots and yeah. to cap it all off they have an extra first round pick this year so it's yeah. not like they've gone all in and no. put other chips in they're still a forward thinking yep. organization where you already also have two franchise wide receivers on yep. either side of the field that you've gone out and got these premier weapons in back-to-back off seasons so yeah, the other crazy thing about this team is their short yardage rushing ability. Uh, right now, they are leading at the NFL in both carries per game within three yards to go and success rate on them at up at 71%. And the running backs, they're second in, in the success rate on these short yardage runs. But then Jalen Hurts, he has a 78% success rate. That's basically like prime Cam Newton numbers. And they do it with sneaks. They do it with some of the zone read stuff. They'll get them out on a draw on occasion. They can do a bunch of different things, but uh, from all the stuff I've been looking at, it's not explosive runs that matter. It's short yardage runs because that's when you have to convert. And like we said, with the fourth down decision-making on a third and five, they're, they're not afraid to run the ball when most teams can't, can't because they know they're going to go for it on fourth down. And all right. of a sudden you have two short yardage runs and they're averaging like 70% success on both of them. What about the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of building their roster? I don't know if we can go on and on like we just did about the Philadelphia Eagles. I right. think it's a bit different because their timeline mm-hmm. is different. Yep. Um, what stood out to me, though, is you trade away who many believe is like the most impactful wide receiver when it comes to defensive organization and just eyes on him mm-hmm. and Tyreek Hill. And you still record a historically awesome offense. And that speaks to... You know, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, plus uh, Travis Kelsey and the connection of all three. But you even go back to like, again, it's a forward thinking organization. They had a starting quarterback in Alex Smith. They were winning games and a year ahead of time, they trade up because they never believed that they wanted to be in the teens again to ever select and in, in, in the NFL draft. And so you go and make a move for your future quarterback. And so just like with the Eagles, both of these organizations have thought ahead at the most important position in football and both nailed those evaluations. Yeah, completely crushed it. I think the Chiefs are much more stars and scrubs uh, team. And you, when, we, when you have those type of teams, your stars have to play like stars. Check, check, check. Travis Kelsey, career season. 
Uh, Chris Jones, absolute superstar. Patrick Mahomes, we'll get to some of his numbers uh, in a second. Uh, and then you have to have veteran coaches. And I think it's not just Andy Reid. Steve Spagnuolo is coaching up a For bunch sure. of rookies. Rookies. They might start three rookies uh, at corner uh, this year. They, they've invested $5 million in the cornerback position this year, and they're going to be in the Super Bowl. So it obviously takes a lot of coaching. Uh, and I, the Chiefs obviously have one of the best staffs in the entire league. And then it also obviously ha- helps that Patrick Mahomes isn't like just like the best player in the league. He's like tears above everybody else. And like the path that he's on right now is goat status stuff. So there's a bunch of stats we can get to. Even little wrinkles here. Like these might be the most athletic centers in the NFL and Jason Kelsey and somewhat of a younger version of him. I'm not going to put him at that level, but mm-hmm. Creed Humphrey and both teams really invest in the offensive line. It's not rocket science. I mean, the first round draft pick trade for Orlando Brown, giving Joe Tooney a massive contract, nailing Trey Smith at guard. And then, Andrew Wiley, who's a supremely athletic offensive tackle, who was, I believe, a late round pick, uh, making his name at right tackle, too. So there's a lot of overlap here, but they're also, again, on different timelines. And by the way, the Patrick Mahomes contract looks better and better and better as the years go along. And I'm sure they'll rip that up and tear it up at some point. But it's pretty amazing to get that done when they did to the amount of years on top of that. Yeah, they did it early and then made it really long. So there's some certainty so they can build the roster around them. Just real quick, because we talked on the defensive line, uh, the stat of the week for me is for Chris Jones, ESPN has uh, this metric called pass rush win rate. And he's at 21%, which is by far the best among defensive tackles. And at the same exact time, he's also leading all defensive tackles and double team rate. He's double teamed on 68% of dropbacks. And he still is the most effective pass rusher. <laughs> so obviously this can be a massive uh, Jason Kelsey versus Chris Jones matchup here, but they'll get him out on the, on the perimeter as well. And to me, he's the best defensive player uh, on the field in the Super Bowl, And he is an absolute game wrecker. And when Aaron Donald uh, ends up retiring or gets a little bit older, Chris Jones is going to be in the conversation for the best defensive player in the entire league. All right. Let's go offense, defense, offense, defense for both sides and really preview and and predict this game. Full prediction would be at the end of the episode, by the way. Um, First, when I go back and look at not just the AFC title game for the Chiefs offense, but really the season in in its entirety, the one difference was, well, how is this Chiefs offense going to look off a high ankle sprain with Patrick Mahomes? I was amazed that Patrick Mahomes was still rolling out. It showed a lot of aggressiveness still in their play calling. I mean, his pocket movement, I found, was outstanding. There are these small, subtle movements. And because of the arm that he brings to the table, he doesn't have to reset. You know, he's not one of these quarterbacks that has to have these strong base to throw from. I mean, he's throwing with heat despite not having that secure and balanced base. And Dan Pizzuta pointed this out on dropbacks that lasted longer than three seconds against the Bengals. Mahomes went 14 of 19 for 175 yards and two touchdowns. And we saw one of them, like that third and four drift, strafe left to Michael Hardman. Insane stuff, right? So I don't think the ankle injury really bothered him in this past game. And so now with two weeks, you know, to go until this next game, I think it's gonna be perfectly fine. And we're still gonna yeah. see the ad-lib Mahomes and how dynamite that brings that element to this offense. Since uh, he's had this injury in the postseason, his EPA per play is at plus 0.23. For uh, just comparison, Josh Allen this year was at plus 0.22. Jalen Hurts plus 0.21. Joe Burrow plus 0.17. So he was better on this bad ankle than literally every single quarterback 
in the NFL. And that includes some of these drives where they're throwing to basically nobody's because the wide receivers are all hurt. So uh, Patrick Mahomes is on his own tier. I'm with you. I think that with two weeks uh, to get better, I think that he's going to be able to scramble perhaps a little bit more and create a little bit more time. And he's going to have to do that because I think the pass rush obviously is going to be coming on the Eagles end, but he was moving around pretty well, definitely better than I kind of was anticipating. But going back to that first game when he did have it, the first like, couple minutes back he looked really bad and then he came back with the beaver tranquilizer in the second half and moved around much better so i think that the ankle is not going to be a complete nothing but i think we're getting close to it where we can't make this entire show about patrick Mm -hmm. mahomes ankles he's kind of proven that even with with it being let's say it's 90 percent this next week that's still way better than any quarterback in the nfl now i will say i think where the ankle injury did hurt him was in the run game And I'm not talking about him running the ball. I'm talking about Kansas City in totality because they are a worse running team when it's out of shotgun. They're much better when it's under center. I mean, I think they had running back attempts that went for 15 carries for 27 yards against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Now, Bengals have DJ Reader. They're a very good run-stopping defense. Guess who has, again, two waves of defensive linemen who maybe – had some moments this year where they had some injuries, but the Eagles defensive line is fantastic, right? In fact, I think the longest running back run was a backwards pass Isaiah Pacheco that he ran for six yards. So yeah, on the flat, yep. If if we do get a healthier Patrick Mahomes in terms of his movement, and they believe that he is healthier heading into this game, I'm not saying it's going to impact more the passing game. I think it's going to impact more the rushing success of this team. Is Is that fair to you? I think that they they will have more success, uh, but I also think that they might just kind of give up on the run game and just let Patrick Mahomes cook because just been the, the EPA numbers on the on the run game right now are really bad. I think part of it, like the first game, he like literally they couldn't even do stretch runs outside zone. Like they, that was just not a part of the playbook right. towards the end. I, I think that they'll look better uh, with that, but I just think they're going to put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. And how could you not? So also wanted to bring up was this figure of 82.3 and that's the percentage of red zone drives that ended in a touchdown for the Kansas city chiefs in their last five games. That's nasty. I mean, this team is unreal inside of the red zone. They were second in the entire regular season at 70.5%, but let's compare that to the league average, which is 55%. Uh, In totality on offense this year, the Chiefs scored 64 total touchdowns. 55 of those were scored in the red zone, just nine outside of the 20 yard line. Um, again, to bring up Dan Pizzuto, cause he and I were DMing earlier today since 2000, only four teams have hit 50 plus touchdowns inside the red zone this season. The 2018 Kansas city chiefs, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP 2013 Denver Broncos. Peyton Manning was the MVP 2007 new England Patriots. Tom Brady was the MVP and this year's version of the Kansas city chiefs. And on some level, I think it like perfectly encapsulates who they've become, right? Because they are less reliant on these explosive plays. They're That's less reliant. No Tyreek Hill. That's exactly what it is. Less reliant on these big plays. And it's just precision. It's, it's just working in the scope of the offense and the four point plays, you know, this we talk about all the time are such a difference maker. When you talk about the win and, and loss column, and they do it in so many different ways. Like everyone, obviously knows Andy Reed is a magician when it comes to these goal to go situations. It can be shovel passes. It can be ring around the rosy can be whatever. 
Mm-hmm. But then you also have Travis Kelsey, who, if you line him against, let's say, Isaiah Simmons in week one, who's supposed to be this lockdown tight end defender. Nope, he's too fast for you. If you put a corner on him, he's too big for you. You know, then it's this mixed direction. It's the eye candy that Andy Reid throws against you. And then when all of that fails, when the defense covers it perfectly, then you have Patrick Mahomes on these extended plays who holds it yep. into the last moment. And again, is on one V one with a defender and his pass catchers are on a string and they just know exactly where to be. It's unguardable. And they are by far and away hitting their peak when it comes to red zone success. And that is the key for the Eagles. It's an impossible task, but can they be better than the rest of the field has been against this chiefs team in terms of converting and forcing them to kick field goals with Harrison Butker instead of scoring touchdowns. I had a couple of defensive metrics as well. Very similar to this on the chiefs defense talking about red zone uh, success. They are actually 30th in red zone touchdown rate allowed. The chiefs are, and I think the defensive numbers are going to regress more towards the mean than the offensive one. Obviously, when you have Patrick Mahomes, of course, you're going to be dominating. But I think that there's an opportunity for the Chiefs just to get a little bit luckier when it comes to red zone touch rate, touchdown rate allowed. And on the flip side for the Eagles defense, they're third in percentage of drives ending in a turnover. And I think that's also a metric that can probably come crashing down to earth, especially with their schedule. So I think that there's a chance that the the Chiefs defense is a little bit underrated by these metrics because of regression. I think that there's a chance that the Eagles defense is a little bit worse because number one, their schedule. Uh, and then number two, some of these defensive metrics are just not very sustainable, especially like the turnover rate stuff. Like Patrick Mahomes just does not turn the ball over. No. Like I think his interception rate is under 2% over these last two years. That's absurd for how much he has to put uh, on himself and all these scrambling around situations. So I think that there's a chance that we're overrating the Eagles defense, maybe even underrating uh, the Chiefs defense, especially because Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, their numbers coming off a of buy are absolutely absurd. He had something like 36 red zone touchdown passes this year and just three interceptions. I wanted to point this play out. It was this past weekend against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals because, again, it's a red zone snap. The Bengals send six, right? And look at this corner route that you see from Travis Kelsey. Jesse Bates, theoretically, on paper, is covering it perfectly. This is fourth and one, by the way. And so you draw it up on a whiteboard defensively in your meetings. Hey, play this corner. Take this away. He does that. But when you have someone like Travis Kelsey, and I heard this saying all the way back to a Jim McElwain coaching clinic when he took over the job at Florida, Some players just have the right to get open and you don't have to be on rails or linear in your routes that what Patrick Mahomes sees is outside leverage. And at the time he understands that all the space is inside. So this is almost a back shoulder inside throw, which should be drawn Mm -hmm. up as a corner route. And it's like, they don't even miss a beat and it's just wide open. And there's nothing a defense can do to stop this. Nothing yep. a defense can do to stop this. We have a whole scheme episode on this on Friday. Hopefully you can check it out. But how Travis Kelsey also utilizes like different pacing and everything inside the red zone to create space and sit in it. It's an unguardable player for him. And once you do bracket him or double him, then someone else is going to be open to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the key players to look for on the defense is be stopping. Travis Kelsey is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who is a pretty inconsistent player, but his peaks are really good. He can kind of get kind of over-aggressive at times, too. He's going to be playing in the slot, I think, against uh, Kelsey for some of it, but they use Kelsey as like a legitimate X receiver, so there might be some plays where we see him against Darius Slay, Uh, and obviously the Eagles, we talked about their front office and uh, their their coaching staff. I think that they will have some 
ways to attack Travis Kelsey, but it comes down to it. Even if you're doubling, I don't care what it is. When Patrick Mahomes is running around for four seconds, there's not a single player in the world that's going to be keeping up with Travis Kelsey, especially because Mahomes throws the ball into uh, basically he's looking for the back of the helmets, like that touchdown right there, back of the helmet, and then just throw the ball up because Travis Kelsey and and Mahomes have this connection. And if you have four seconds with Patrick Mahomes scrambling around, it's over. And Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, like they've morphed him into like a deep safety in a lot of situations too. And Avante Maddox is playing the slot. So who knows what the answer is going to be? Because he is a one-of-one right now in the league, not just in fantasy football, but but at the position as well. I also want to bring up this point, Hayden. Mm -hmm. We have seen it's against the San Francisco 49ers. It's against the Arizona Cardinals. A speedster behind the line of scrimmage with jet motion and a guy who's running wind sprints behind the line of scrimmage is actually really important for this Andy Reid offense in terms of success. Andy Reid came out today on Thursday, February 2nd, saying that he highly doubts because of a hip injury or whatever it is, pelvis. that Michael Hardman, pelvis, that Michael Hardman's going to play in the Super Bowl. So we need Kadarius Tony to play. The Chiefs do, right? Because mm-hmm. someone has to be the window dressing, the, the eye candy, the guy who can get a push pass or, you know, cause chaos and force vision in his direction. And if he's not there, they don't really have another name for it. And it kind of felt like when all three of those guys went out in the last game, MVS was the one who stepped up and played that spot. It sounds like McCall Hartman's going to be out. It sounds like Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be in. And it sounds like Kadarius Tony's also going to be in. We don't know the severity of these injuries, but that's just kind of what Andy Reid was saying. So there's a chance that maybe Kadarius Tony does that. Sky Moore, they actually make the gadget guy. I, I see him. The problem is Sky Moore has literally like negative juice. Like uh, he hasn't, I haven't it's seen him. very different when Mecole touches. And look, right. I'm not calling Mecole or Tony some great studs. players, yeah, right. but where they are good is where Andy Reid utilizes them mm-hmm. in these four point plays. Right. And it, they're like pivotal skill sets in those yeah. moments. And they at one point had Jarek McKinnon in that role, but now it's been Isaiah Pacheco playing way more of the passing situations too. So I think that Justin Watson, he was, uh, uh, not playing last week because of an illness slash maybe a health healthy scratch. I think that he's going to get back out there. He's more of a deep threat. MBS will be the deep threat. And I think that uh, Juju Smith-Schuster will do like the normal stuff. And then I think it could be like Kadarius Tony possibly doing a little bit, uh, obviously pending uh, his health. And there's always been that one player, not always, but in recent weeks and most of this season, one player that steps up other than Travis Kelsey in this offense. Like, in the past few games, it's been MVS. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been some Juju Smith-Schuster weeks. There's been Isaiah Pacheco weeks, Jarek McKinnon weeks. We even had a Kadarius Tony week sprinkled in there, he in there, right? Yep. Michael Hardman had that like two or three touchdown game against the 49ers. So who is that one guy to step up? Because yeah. Travis Kelsey's going to get 50, 70, maybe even 100 yards, right? But there has to be one other player that makes two or three or four big time plays. And like you said, it's, it's a lot of stars and scrubs on some level, even though a bunch of these guys are making money or had high profile draft picks attached to them. Um, but they make it work. Cause I feel like they understand that, Hey, at least one of them, when, once their number and their name is called, they will step up and fulfill that playmaking role that we need them to in that one game. Yeah, and usually it's like Patrick Mahomes scrambling for four seconds, and then they just have to be open like by that time. So I think I think this could be like in theory, Juju Smith Schuster plays in the slot more. I think that's an, a little bit easier of a matchup than Slay and James Bradbury. But like MVS also plays rotates into the slot. They the looking at like the formations and the personnel for the Chiefs is absurd because they are using a little bit of everything. They'll go to two tight end sets sometimes. They'll go to one uh, wide tight end sets. 
yeah, they'll have one wide receiver on the field. And usually, by the way, that's Justin Watson, uh, which is absurd. Um, but yeah, it, it's been a complete chaos for the wide receiver rotation, but it really hasn't even mattered. Uh, pa- Patrick Mahomes, just real quick, uh, looking at this chart, like where he's at when it comes to EPA, this is since 2018, is just absolutely lapping the field. And this year he had just as good as an, as an EPA as he had during those previous MVP seasons without Tyreek Hill. Just a couple things on the Eagles. Um, they've thrown a lot of different looks at offenses in the playoffs. Um, back in the Giants game, you know, they went cover one man on third down. Then the next third down, they'd go fire zone and drop the edge rusher. Then the next third down, they like rotate post snap from a too high look into a cover three or cover one look. Then they'll throw in another cover zero and just blitz everyone. And I think Jonathan Gannon, maybe last year, because he felt like he didn't have the dudes necessarily, ran a bit of a vanilla system. And maybe some people who haven't watched them closely this year think they're still doing that. They're changing it up a lot because yeah. they really do have the dudes. It's not just Slay and Bradbury on the outside. It's Avante Maddox in the slot. It's the two safeties in the deep half. It's all that rotation they have at the defensive line. Plus, like TJ Edwards has turned into a player too at, at yep. linebacker. And last week, I mean, they started the game defending the 49ers, heavier personnel looks with like this five defensive line front. And that allowed Hassan Reddick to get matched up one-on-one against tight ends. And just in those like two plays that when Brock Purdy was in there, he forced the injury. He forced and wreaked Mm -hmm. havoc because you can't really, you know, have a tight end block a caliber player like that for that even couple of snaps without something bad happening. So, I mean, Josh Johnson dropped back 15 times in the game was pressured on 11 of them. Yeah. It's, I've, I'm trying to weigh how good this Eagles defense is um, and what scheme they're going to actually run against Patrick Mahomes. The I think problem a bunch is, of different ones. I think it will be like that too, but like, even if they, there is no scheme that's stopping Patrick Mahomes. No. We saw the too high stuff that went away. We saw the drop eight stuff and guess what? The, the Bengals did that and he had a major success over that. If, you, if they're going to do uh, the um, cover one stuff, again, cover, cover zero stuff, I can see Patrick Mahomes scrambling around enough this time. So like, to me, like I'm just like basically throwing all of it out the window and it's very hard to kind of handicap this Eagles defense because they've only played a couple games against top eight EPA offenses and against against the Lions in week one, they gave up 33 points against the Jaguars. This is like in like week six or so before the Jaguars got really good. They gave up 21 points against the Cowboys. They played them once with Cooper Rush. Then they played him with, with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys dropped 40 on them. Then the Packers uh, later in the season when they were starting to get hot, they dropped 33 on the Eagles defense too. So if you're like looking at this entire schedule, uh, then yes, the Eagles numbers look really good. And I think that they are really good. Like they have too much talent. I'm not saying that they're a bad defense, but to prop them up against this Patrick Mahomes led uh, offense. I think I'm going to be end up taking my chances with Patrick Mahomes and not looking at the Eagles defense numbers uh, too concretely. I, I guess my reason why this might be different is because the Eagles defense is historically good at turning disruption into production. Like when they do pressure a quarterback, they hit him when they do hit him. It's a sack, you know, it's not just a quarterback hit where he gets it away. And that has to happen in this one game. Like, I'm totally with you. At times, we can just throw away some of the noise and just focus in on a 1v1. But they have been historically good this year. Once they do create disruption, it actually turns into production instead of something that's meaningless where a quarterback can still make a play. 
and I'm looking at it, they've only blitzed on 24% of their snaps this year, which is 15th in the league. So it's not, they're not dialing up all this pressure. It's actually just because their defensive ends and defensive tackles are just winning their matchups. So um, I, I think that the Eagles defense is good. I don't think they're historically good. I think some of these stats about the turnovers and some of the sack stuff, I think can regress a little bit. Basically just Patrick Mahomes doesn't take sacks. He doesn't turn the ball over. So like, if that's like where we're supposed to win here, I can see the, the chiefs just really take their time and march downfield. And we might see a bunch of these red zone hmm. uh, touchdowns, like you mentioned earlier on. Also that little wrinkle they had last week of like the hook and lateral. Um, they almost I, I, it again, I, Whoa, it was more open the second time. I almost yeah. feel like, do you think that was part of the play or not? The like he has responsibility. Travis Kelsey does like the, the awareness, like, Hey, if this is open, you can go ahead and do it. I think the first one was, and I think the second one was not, was not, was but he lot. wanted, he wanted revenge. <laughs> oh, you thought, okay. You think the opposite. Um, yeah. What was funny about the, the hook and ladder play is if it is designed, Part of the design is you have to throw the ball past the first down marker, catch the pass, and then do the design. So yeah. this offense is so good that their uh, absolute trick plays require a first down and then to do it. It's absurd. Yeah. Um, Andy Reid with two weeks left and on the clock to yeah. uh, draw something up inside the red zone. Something's going to be funky here, and I'm excited yes. to see it. Uh, by the way, 30 and six coming after the bye uh, for Coach Reid. 30 and mm. six, pretty insane. Uh, Can I touch real quick about the Eagle or the, the Chiefs defense? Uh, well, yeah, we have, we have the, the whole whole Eagles offense and Chiefs defense. Okay, boom. Just quickly, there's a two-point spread here, okay? Eagles are favored by two points. It's a total of 50 and a half. Okay, now let's go to the Eagles side on the offensive end for them. Give me your analysis. Where do you want to start off with? So I, I think that the big difference for me is I, I know both of these offenses are good, but I've seen Patrick Mahomes beat these uh, defenses and these new schemes and stuff so many different times. They've done it for five years now that I just don't think there's a blueprint. If I am looking at some of the numbers, there is one part uh, of this game plan that I think that Steve Spagnolo can kind of take advantage. And it's against pressure and it's particularly against the blitz and Steve Spagnola, his defense is kind of could dial up and dial down that blitz rate. And it's going to be extremely hard to do because when you are blitzing, you're going to be leaving your corners against uh, Devonta Smith and AJ Brown on one-on-one. But I think that they're going to have to take some gambles here. And I think that they're going to blitz Jalen hurts a lot. Uh, according to sports info solutions, Jalen hurts is 28th in success rate and 29th in EPA per drop back when there's five plus pass rushers. And when he is pressured, according to PFF, his yards per attempt drops from 8.5 to 5.5, which is the fourth biggest drop uh, only behind uh, Zach Wilson, Jimmy G and Lamar Jackson. So it's going to be very hard to do. And I think the Legereus Sneed injury is going to be pretty important here, but it does Lock sound like corner. he's going to have, he's, I think he's going to play he has two weeks to get uh, past this concussion. Uh, I think Steve Spagnola could, apply some pressure here with Jalen hurts and make some of these downfield throws get completed. Cause he's been on a pretty cold streak uh, on those attempts. Yeah. I was going to start somewhere else, but let's start there because I am nervous about these deep completions. Like you're seeing on the screen now happening at this moment, because in the regular season, Jalen hurts was 22 of 56 on 20 plus yard throws with 11 touchdowns on those 22 completions. Since that week, 15 AC joint injury, he's yeah. three for 10 in just three games, you know, it's a huge difference and it's impactful and meaningful when you talk about what they have meant for wins and losses. Like you can look at this game 
if you want to against the Tennessee Titans. You can look at the Washington Commanders game where Devontae Smith was making unreal catches on 1v1s. You can look at the Pittsburgh Steelers where A.J. Brown was telling the corners and safeties just how short they were, right? These are important because when you do rotate down into single high looks because the running game and everything else is so successful, you have to win on these deep shots. And since his injury, Jalen Hurts has not been winning on mm-hmm. these deep shots. And that is incredibly concerning for a team, despite how many strengths and their prowess they have in other areas, they will have to hit, I think on two or three of these deep yes. ones. And last week they didn't, I mean, yep. there was third and nine in his own half, a three by one AJ Brown runs right by Charvarius ward and Jalen hurts misses him by four yards upfield. Then there was another one along the boundary. Out of bounds. That he threw about four yards out of bounds. Yeah. It wasn't even close. And they that there, has to change in this game. There was also one where he was throwing from his end zone. It was just a, a little speed out to A.J. Brown. And you throw that, and it was just wobbling in the air. So I, I'm concerned about the shoulder injury. I think maybe a little bit. I think when we're looking at injuries, everyone's kind of pointing to the Chiefs as a more injured team. I don't know. Like this, this shoulder injury is kind of concerning to me just because, like, where you're saying some of these balls are going too deep, they're going out of bounds or wobbling a little bit. Just since he's had this injury, his EPA per play is identical to like what Marcus Mariota was this year. His completion percentage over expected is on par with like Justin Fields. So they, they got to correct that. You can't come into this yeah. game and play tiny sample below. Tiny, yes, tiny sample. But, but it's the latest, we, it's the latest that we have. Yes. And like that week 18 game, that was a must win game for them to clinch. Yep. Uh, the first round by they've been trying and it's kind of been masked because the obviously the Giants didn't put up a fight uh, and the 49ers game got completely out of whack. But I think this, these downfield shots are going to be super important, especially if they bring the house, because some of these numbers it's that to me is like the one bad thing that you can say about Jalen Hurts right now is his ability to 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 handle these pressures and make some downfield throws. Uh, and if his arms bugging them. I think we'll find out pretty early. I do believe that this Eagles offensive line is much better suited to handle Chris Jones than the Bengals were, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, your weakest link on the Eagles offensive line from like a PFF grading standpoint is Jordan Mailata at left tackle, which is nuts to He's think of. Right. And so like getting Chris Jones against Akima Denege, who is the Cincinnati Bengals right tackle that will give you pressures and sacks and oh, turnovers. Yeah. Uh, that's Lane Johnson on the other side. It's, it's not going to work mm-hmm. as, as easily, but I'm, I'm with you. It, it, it's a great point where so much focus is on Patrick Mahomes ankle, but the bigger injury storyline might be Jalen hurts shoulder. He was wincing late in the game. And there was one play where it was like a, uh, I think it's like a third and five or something like that. And he just kind of slid down. And I was like, Ooh, that's kind of interesting. Cause usually he's going to be fighting through some of these things. So I don't, I think that, it's most likely going to be okay, but I would not surprise me if this does become a storyline or we learn more information uh, later in the game. Real quick, on the offensive line stuff, uh, that's another thing that's kind of being overlooked with the injuries. Uh, Landon Dickerson, who's a good player at, at guard, he might yeah. be playing with an elbow brace. He left late in the game last week. And then Lane Johnson, like, I, I've been talk, or I've been listening to some of these offensive linemen, and they're talking about the injury that he has. Like, this is like a multi-week injury that like, you're just not supposed to play through. There's some setback risk there. So I know like they're, they're very deep. They're going to be like throwing like Andre Dillard and stuff, who's like a first round pick as their backups. Uh, but those are that's two two of these linemen that are going to be battling through an injury if they do play. This is going to be the simplest analysis you're going to find. You can call me prehistoric if you want to. I don't care. Um, I think the Eagles' offensive line and running game is the biggest advantage in this contest period. Yeah. Okay. Like, and we've seen when that is the dominant edge that the Eagles have. 
They just aren't afraid to run with it for entire stretches, for series, for drives, for quarters, for halves. I mean, we've seen them run eight times open a half. We've seen like 11 of 12 plays in a single drive be running plays. Um, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, the two young linebackers for the Kansas City Chiefs, better play at a higher level than than Trey Greenlaw did last week. Yeah, because there were a number of plays where the Eagles would stack Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard on one side tight the formation, which means the linebackers have to scoot in that direction. And then they just run counter or a run to the opposite side with a pin pull. Jason Kelsey wheeling out in front and Drake Greenlaw was nowhere to be found. Sometimes he tried to get over the top, not happen. When he tried to undercut it, he just laid him. Jason Kelsey did like these were long runs. And I think that that has to be the first thing that the chiefs stop. And if they don't stop it, then honestly, the rest of these deep pass concerns and wobbly Jalen hurts arm are far less important to me. Do you think they're going to come out and run the ball? Like in the first quarter? Yes. Really? Yes. I think that they understand that this is the biggest edge that they have is their inside zone and their offensive line versus the Kansas city chiefs and linebacker defensive line, you know, like it's, it's the biggest edge in the entire even, contest. Even more with rookie corners versus AJ Brown and Devon yes. Smith. Yeah. Because I, I think that they firmly realize that they can do this on anyone on anyone. And yeah, this inside zone, we talked about mind meld of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. The front five that Jeff Stoutland has in terms of, hey, I have him here. Now you can pass off and go. The f- It's amazing when you work and watch the cohesiveness of that front five in unison yeah. with the inside zone. That inside zone and their duo runs. Watch watch them create these double teams. I think the last touchdown in the, in the last game, they had about four offensive linemen deep in the end zone. That ball was snapped up from like the six-yard line. So it's, it's an incredible thing to watch um i i hear you i think that they can do it i just think that they have been for the most part pretty pass heavy and i think the chiefs defense is like pretty neutral and kind of both phases here so i i'm guessing that they're going to still probably pass the ball um but i I agree with you the short yardage situations the chiefs are gonna have to make some crazy type of play because i think if it is a short run i really like the eagles chances just dominating in the trenches here I slightly disagree because I think the Chiefs defense when going up against good or let's say like top half of league rushing defenses or rushing offenses, I should say, they haven't been great on it. Like Samaje P. Ryan back in week 13 averaged over five yards of carry for 106 yards. You know, Devin Singletary in week six, five yards of carry for 85 yards. Josh Jacobs, they didn't get to, you know. I think we'll back. Oh yeah. All the way back in week five, 7.3 yards per carry. Then they shut him down for 2.6 yards in week 18. But then, you know, Chris McCaffrey and Jeff Wilson combined for 6.1 yards per carry. Like what are the Eagles going to do here? I, I really think if they get the ball first, we've seen the Eagles lean into this, you know, for certain mm-hmm. games when they understand that this is their strength, they aren't afraid to play boring, basic football. That really might be the muscle that they flex. Would not all be right. surprising at all to me. Should we get to game predictions? Well, just quickly, I, I I do want to bring up the point that you brought up at the start, where these two teams are extremely aggressive going for it on fourth down, and they do it in very different ways. Like we've seen the extended plays, Mahomes taking, you know, 19-yard vertical shots to Travis Kelsey is perfectly covered on fourth and one versus 
Jalen Hurts and this offense knowing that, hey, on third and five, all that we need to do is make it a fourth and one. Then we're going to have everyone push Jalen Hurts for that conversion. Love both aggressive sides, but they, again, go about it in two very different ways. The Eagles were 31st in field goal attempts this year, and they were like one of the best teams in in the entire league. So they basically are, and and those those are with leads, playing bad opponents. They they might even make the freaking field goal kicker active for all this this game. I'm obviously exaggerating, but I would be shocked if they're going to be kicking field goals in this game. The the Eagles want any excuse to kind of go for it and look for those like third and fives, third and six. Most teams are going to pass the ball. The Eagles are the exception because they already know they're going to be going for it on fourth down. And because like you said, they can win in the trenches uh, running up the middle. Right. And it's not until this year's owners meetings where the league will change the rule that you can't push. They kind of need to. It's kind of annoying. (laughs) It's it's just not fun. We just know it's coming. All right. Um, Your prediction. You go first. I have it Chiefs by two, 27 to 25. I do think that this is uh, basically a coin flip. I just think that there's more downside risk with the Eagles side, partially because of that Jalen Hurts injury, partially because I just think that there is some at least precedent with uh, blitzing Jalen Hurts here. Um, I think that the Eagles are going to pass a lot because when they're like neutral situation kicks up or if they are trailing, they really play fast and they really throw the ball around. And I think they're going to have to be pretty aggressive against Patrick Mahomes on the flip side for the Chiefs offense. I just think that it doesn't really matter about the wide receivers. I think for the most part, they will be healthy. I think they're just only going to be missing McCole Hardman. Uh, and I just want to just take Patrick Mahomes. What he's been doing has just been completely absurd. I don't want to be betting against Andy Reid. I think this one's going to be close. I would not be surprised if this comes down to the last uh, drive here. I think these yeah. are the two best teams in the league. They win in two kind of different ways. Um, but I think that Patrick Mahomes will be relatively healthy here. And I just think they've just been here longer and they've had a much more difficult path here. So I'm just going to be siding with the Chiefs by two. Before my prediction, I do want to ask, because this has been, I think, a talking point throughout this week and will be for next week. Does it mean anything to you that the Eagles really haven't played anyone? Because they've been totally dominant yes. versus everyone who they have played, right. you know? Yes, I, I think it, it goes both ways. Like they earned the schedule playing the Giants uh, in the playoffs here. They obviously got lucky with the 49er situation. They've been stomping everybody. So I don't think that they're a bad team because they played a really easy schedule, but Patrick Mahomes has been beating some of the top teams in the league. And it's not just this year too. Like I've seen this offense for five years. Like I've seen this offense for one year. It's been exceptional for, for the Eagles. Um, But I just think that I just want to, I think there's more downside risk with the Eagles than there is with the chiefs. Eagles by four is my prediction. Um, I've from start to finish, I feel like they were this season's best team, especially right before you take away Jalen Hurts' injury. But I don't think that they're playing the best football of these two teams entering this game. I think the Chiefs are playing their better football at the moment, you know? Um, But again, I will go back to, I firmly believe that the Eagles are probably going to be boring offensively early on. And I think you might actually have to see some of that Mahomes magic that he had against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even in a loss, like that they need him to do that versus pressure. But I always go to in these one-to-one games where there's good defenses, there's great playmakers, what is the dominant matchup? And I firmly believe it is the Eagles offensive line in that inside zone versus the Chiefs rushing defense. And again, the tendency to lean on that when it is working and when it is hammering opponents. And just quickly, I said by four, because I think maybe about 45 seconds to go, no timeouts, the Chiefs get the ball back 
And they don't have that one explosive player like they used to in Tyreek Hill to convert a 35, 46 yarder to get them into, you know, touchdown range. And I think that it's a whole cycle that comes back that not having that one explosive player and big play threat. And that's a storyline that we have riding off into the distance of 2023. The uh, game total has kind of creeped up. Now it's at 50 and a half. Do you think like that's the right ballpark? Are we talking about like 27, 23 range? Or you think it's going to go higher or lower than that? Where, where you kind of, let's just go exactly 27, 23, 27, 23, make it easy. All right. That's fair <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, I, I see it. I think, I think there's a chance that this, this game totally goes up a little bit. I think this, if the, if the Chiefs win, I think they're putting up 27. And I, I think that the Eagles can kind of be in anywhere from like 21 to 35 points. I think that there's a higher chance of this. They go back and forth a little bit. You know what? I take that back. If the Eagles rushing offense is so successful, I think it's going to hit the under because it's going to minimize the possessions, you know? And it's not like this Chiefs team either, like we just talked about with their red zone success, is going to score long touchdowns. They're going to have to have six, eight, 10 play drives of their own. So mm-hmm. I think we might only see 24, 20, nine or 10 total possessions in this game mm-hmm. period, especially for how often these teams go for it on fourth down. So mm-hmm. um, real quick, we're going to have another show, uh, I believe on Monday about uh, just player props and higher lowers and all that fun stuff that you're looking at. Um, and I think that one of the narratives I want to kind of get there is the Eagles is in particular uh, depending on how the game's going, they really use some players and then they really don't use some yeah. players. So I think that's going to be something that you're going to have to make some decisions on. And when you're looking at uh, any of these uh, markets is just, all right, like if it's close, Ooh. then they're they're not going to use Boston Scott. If you think the Eagles are going to win, they're going to use a lot of Boston Scott. Is Quez Watkins playing or is he not playing? And um, then there's like a pick five slip that we could do where like, hey, Jalen Hurts' arm is better than it has been the last three games. So yeah. you go higher of the projection totals for Devontae Smith and for A.J. Yeah. Brown. Or then you have like, hey, the Chiefs are playing from behind. So you get the Isaiah Pacheco higher for his receiving yards. Right. So on and so forth. So I think yeah. that there's a bunch of if then statements that we can do with the show on Monday for the pick and projections on underdog fantasy. That will be exciting and fun. This is going to be a banger. This, this, this matchup has. So we didn't even get in, 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 into any of the narratives like beyond no. the game, uh, just because the, the football is so damn good. So this is, we're lucky. This is, this is going to be a banger. All right. That's going to do it for us again. If you're watching this, go and watch the scheme episode I have with Josh McCown. We break down like 10 to 12 red zone plays, just the Kansas city chiefs and just how exceptional and genius they are in that area. Cause again, as you could tell, I really uh, obsessed over that this past week when looking into this game. There's also and, a good Maddie video on Travis Kelsey. Yep. And Hayden has, you know, his sicko 2023 fancy football rankings already. Announcement coming soon on that, by the way. So go and watch that. All right. That's going to do it for us. That's Hayden. I'm Josh. We appreciate you chat and everyone watching up the villa. We'll talk to y'all soon. See ya.